today on Ag News Daily. The right product, the right rate, the right timing, and I believe it's the right placement. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Mike Pearson here with today's edition of the Ag News Daily Podcast, joined by co-host Delaney Howell. Delaney, how you doing? Uh, it's a little gloomy out here in central Iowa, so if you hear any background thunderstorm, that's why. It's just been pretty steadily raining and now pouring in central Iowa, and we're seeing that across the across the Midwest here, and even parts of snow, parts of the country getting snow. Yes. Yes, the Dakotas in particular, all the way from, well, I think all the way from basically northeast Nebraska through eastern South Dakota and into eastern North Dakota, they're all anticipating snow. In fact, I just found a great forecast on Twitter that uh, is calling for, um, let's see, this was calling for it through tonight. The uh, might see 12 to 15 inches of snow in Carrington and Devil's Lake up towards Langdon, North Dakota. And then this forecast that I have pulled up actually has some helpful um, winter weather survival tips. They say if you're in that belt of snow, you need to buy 12 bottles of wine. And if you're a little farther out, uh, you could probably get by with six bottles of wine. <laughs> nice. Yeah, so our North Dakota listeners, hopefully you've made it to the store and you have stocked up on uh, your favorite uh, beverages, adult yeah. or otherwise. Yeah, nice. Well, I've right, also, I feel uh, I feel like Ted Seifert just chimed in. North Dakotans may be more uh, cases of beer type oh, folks than bottles of right. wine. Maybe Boone's Farm. Boone's Farm? They're yeah, not dirtbags in North Dakota. <laughs> no, They're not college like... sorority girls. I mean, there are some. That's just like what I think, like, people I know that prefer beer will be like, oh, I'll drink Boone's Farm every now and then. Well, yeah, I mean, Boone's Farm is just alcohol with a lot of sugar in it. Right. So it's just sugar on sugar. Yeah. It's like grape juice, basically. Yeah, basically, it's it's just a hangover in a bottle is what Boone's mm, Farm is. Lovely. Well, I've got another uh, meteorologist report here. Also, to follow up on that, Mike, so far we're seeing... Of course, the weather people get it wrong sometimes, but a meteorologist told Reuters that around 14% of the U.S. corn crop and 5% of the U.S. soybean crop could be affected either by snow, rain, etc., drop in temperatures, all of that stuff. Here this weekend, they're just looking yeah. at the short term? Uh-huh. Well, I absolutely believe it, but you know what was affecting probably close to, well, not 100% of the crop, but... Certainly a lot of folks' pocketbooks today, Delaney. The WASDE report. Yes, yes. The USDA released their October World Agricultural Supply and Demand Estimates. And heading into this report, the trade was really pretty bulled up on expectations for what to see from corn. And I've got to give a shout-out here to my man Ted Seifert here at the Zaner Group because he was the closest by far, in uh, in the estimates. He was the only one that saw corn yield going up, and it did. He was the only one that uh, didn't really anticipate a huge drop in ending stocks, and we did not get them. And basically, overall, the market was pretty underwhelmed by the numbers. Uh, the exception was soybeans mm-hmm. initially, and then we'll get to the markets here in a bit. Soybeans uh, definitely had a little bit of a reversal and actually ended down on the yeah. day. So it was, it was depressing all the way around. But I do have the numbers in front of me. want to run through what USDA released for their WASDE report. They've got the corn acres harvested at 81.8 million, a little bit of a drop there. 
They've got the yield up slightly, up to 168.4 from their September guess of 168.2. Production total coming in at 13.779 billion bushels. We've got ending stocks coming in at 1.929 uh, billion bushels. Jumping down to take a quick look at the soybeans, they've got the area harvested dropping slightly to 75.6 million acres. Yield coming down, which wasn't expected. It was expected, excuse me. Uh, yield dropping from their September report. September they had it at 47.9. This report they're at 46.9, so dropped at a full bushel in yield, and that brought ending stocks down considerably. And this is where the bullish number was. The average trade gas for soybeans, soybean ending stocks, was at 496 million bushels. Ted had us at 433. We came in at 460 for the USDA, which initially gave us a little bit of a bounce in the bean market. Now, it ran us up a couple of pennies, and then and market just faded it and just slowly worked its way down from about, uh, no, geez, from about noon onwards, we just bleh, puked it all back up. Yeah, I was surprised that the soybeans didn't hold through to the end of the day. But I am curious. I'm going to make a Twitter poll right now for our folks that follow us on Twitter. I'm just curious where people are hitting as far as yields go. Are they better than expected, worse than expected, kind of spot on with where they anticipated to be. So I know we're still a little early in the season, but I definitely, driving across parts of Iowa yesterday and the day before, I've seen a lot of combines rolling. So, Well, I'm getting they've all parked now, given all the rainfall that's coming. Yes, I, I would suspect you're right. Um, as a quick update to that, I did talk to a friend of mine, our good friend Jeff Ryan, guy number two there, two guys farming up around Cresco, and uh, he's heard some reports from uh, from neighbors and friends that beans are coming in pretty well right at the APH. So um, not not a terrible harvest, but certainly nothing to uh, to write home about. Yeah, definitely not. Well, Delaney, that is the big news today, really, is, mm-hmm. is weather, WASDE, and the third factor is yes. trade. Do you have any updates for us on the trade talk? Oh, absolutely, Mike, absolutely. We are starting another round. I think this is like, hmm, this is close to round 30 for trade negotiation talks now with China. And they are in Washington, D.C. this week, but we saw a headline that the delegation will not stay for two days as originally planned, but just one day now. Oh, interesting. I hadn't heard that. Yes. So is today the only day or is it tomorrow? Today, today is the only day that they will be have being in the U.S. for trade talks. This is really the second cancellation we've seen now with them canceling the farm tour. Now we've seen them cancel the second day of trade talks. I'm not sure that this is – I don't know what to make of this, to be honest. Right, right. I don't think anybody does. There was a report in Bloomberg earlier today that uh, basically we might just get away with a mini deal. Both the U.S. and China would love to see something addressed on agriculture. And apparently – this is, again, from an unnamed source, but, quote, according to people familiar with this um, – Lou He was coming to the U.S. with a couple of pledges. Basically, one of them was, as we talked about yesterday, bump the soybean purchases from 20 million tons back up to 30 million, roughly what they were buying before this trade war all started. Um, also, allegedly, might be coming to the table to buy three to 400,000 tons of U.S. pork and maybe three to four million tons of American wheat. So, We'll see if those headlines end up dropping this evening. It could provide us some uh, 
some nice moves in the overnights, particularly on the soybean side, if this actually comes true. But, uh, yeah, we don't know what they're going to want in exchange for these uh, pledges. Yes, that is, uh, I guess it's always the question, what compromises are we going to have to make? But President Trump also told reporters yesterday that he would not accept a 50-50 deal with China, which is apparently something the Chinese have been asking for. And I don't know exactly what a 50-50 deal means, other than maybe they're each conceding 50% of what they want. I guess. Yeah, I don't know what a 50-50 deal is either. I'm not, yeah, I'm not sure, but President Trump is not for that anyway, so it doesn't matter. Okay, all right, so we're not going to get this thing that we don't know what it is. Right, (laughs) yeah. Good, so we don't have to learn about it. (laughs) I guess that's one way to look at it, yeah. Perfect. Um, I've got another uh, piece of news. Today we did see the export sales uh, report come out for the week, and we got an update from the University of Illinois looking at cumulative export sales and this is not shocking but export sales this year uh, started slowly in the corn market recent sales to china have helped step us up on soybeans but we're still behind and basically this university of illinois report notes that abundant crops around the world that massive global carryout that we have in pretty much everything plus the strength of the u.s dollar have really slowed down exports for this year we do remain markedly behind where we typically stand for uh, for exports and usda reflected that in their wazi earlier today yes that they did mike and another thing that we have been watching very closely besides the usda reports are the reports coming out from the fed we have seen the central bank release their september minutes and they are revealing several warnings about the potential for an economic downturn and looming threats to employment they said the uncertainty about trade policy and global conditions were the primary factors clouding the u.s economic outlook but the downside risks are far more serious than when they held their last meeting back in July. And they said there's a much clearer picture pointing to weakness in the overall economy than what we've already, than what we had seen previously in July. So I don't know. Yeah, I mean, the the possibility of more rate cuts is certainly on the table. Another report that came out earlier today was uh, consumer pricing, and it was the weakest showing of inflation I think since January, I don't have the number in front of me, but it, it's been at least for uh, for six or nine months, and that, in theory, gives the Fed more room to cut rates again in an effort to be able to boost these things and, and perhaps bring a little bit more inflation back into the picture. Yes, that is the big question. So many questions out there, Delaney Howell. So many questions. I've got lots Why of tell- questions. What are your questions? What do you throw them out there? Know. Listeners, tune in. Get your questions. pens out. Get your pencils out. Let's help Delaney. I, I don't know. I've always got questions. My parents, <laughs> there's an in, there's like a running joke with my family. When I call them, they're like, okay, what's your question? What do you need? Like they just know when I'm calling or texting them that I'm probably going to ask them a question. Okay. All right. But you, you know the basics, right? The birds and yeah, the bees I'm just and, a very and curious the essential. Person. I'm just a very curious gotcha. person. Okay. Well, good for you, Delaney. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, are you at all curious about where the market's wrapped up I for the day? I am so curious, Mike. Welcome to the Hot Rod Farmer Minute. 
I'm Ray Bohax from the Idle Chatter podcast found on the Global Ag Network. Just as the corn plant tells a story, so do the parts of an engine or machine. By reading the components, a wealth of information can be gleaned and a costly failure in both time and money can often be avoided. When you are working on something, you need to pay attention to every detail. Once you train yourself, it will become second nature. Examination of parts can be feeling with your fingers, studying them up close, or even smelling them. You will be amazed how much you could determine by simply running your finger over a surface, into a port, or on a tapered roller bearing. Threading a bolt in and then using a hand instead of an air tool will determine thread integrity and cleanliness. If you do use an air tool, then listen to its sound and acknowledge when it changes as an indicator of a difference. Do not just keep the trigger pulled and let it work through the spot. The following are areas I like to pay particular attention to. If the tailpipe is especially sooty or carboned up, the engine is running rich or misfiring. Are there any signs of oil? I take a clean rag with no odor on it and place it to the exhaust of a running engine for a few seconds and then smell it. You can often detect an internal coolant leak, excessive oil consumption without any signs of visible smoke or a rich condition. If the gasket comes off in one piece or nearly so, look for even compression and marks from the outer mating surfaces. Examine the part surface for an even imprint of the gasket. This will determine if there is excessive variation in the surface that does not allow for the prescribed compression. Stains or signs of varnish around the float bowl or any other part of a carburetor indicates a potential leak. An excessive amount of field dust indicates moisture coming from either an injection pump or a nozzle. Take a sample of a fluid from the dipstick and rub it between your fingers. Study it for particles and then check the smell. When it comes to bearings, slowly turning them by hand, feeling for roughness or tight spots is very important. Applying this logic will keep your farm running smoothly and will avoid profit-robbing breakdowns. Let's jump into that. It is a lot of red on the screen. As I mentioned earlier today, we did see a couple moves to the upside in livestock, but everything else is red. Jumping into the corn market, Beast Corn closed down 14 cents to finish at 3.80 and a quarter. The March contract also dropped 14 cents, closing the day at 3.91 and a half. Soybeans, after their up move, after the report, they gave that all back, and then some November contract dropped a quarter penny to three, excuse me, whoa, that'd be a downer. Uh, November down a quarter, closed the day at 9.23 and a half. January down a half, finished the day at 9.37 and a half. In Chicago wheat, the December contract was down seven and a quarter at 4.93 even. The March contract also down seven and a quarter, closed the day at 4.99 and three quarters. Jumping into the world of livestock mixed trade in live cattle, the December contract was up 25 cents at 111.42.50. The Feb was down two and a half cents to close the day at 117.27 and a half. In feeder cattle, the November contract down 12.50 to finish at 144.12.50. The January up 90 cents on the day to close at 140.42 and a half. And in lean hogs, that December contract down a dollar, closed the day at 68.47.50. February up, excuse me, also down seven and a half cents to finish at 75.87.50. We also had some weakness in the dairy markets. October class three milk dropped 11 cents at 18.60, with November down 17 finishing the day at 1861. With that, there are the market's updates. Let's get into our interview. And Delaney, why don't you tell us who we're talking to today? 
I would love to, Michael. We've had some great conversations this week, but today we will be talking with Doug Adams, who is a Humboldt County farmer, discussing the 4R program, as well as how this harvest season is shaping up. Well, as folks are finally starting to get out into the field, we're talking with Doug Adams, a Humboldt, Iowa County farmer today. Doug, first of all, I want to just ask, how is harvest season going for you? Are you finally able to get running after all the interesting weather we've had? Yeah, we uh, just started yesterday. We we started on some corn. Our beans aren't quite ready yet, but there's a lot of beans coming out of the neighborhood right now. And uh, so, yeah, we just, we just got rolling, and uh, so far things look good. This is, of course, our early planted corn, so, uh, you know, we hope this is going to do good. And if everything can stay uh, at this level, I think we'll really be happy. So, All right. Well, that is exciting. It's nice to see those combines finally moving into the field. But, Doug, we brought you on to talk about some of the work you've been doing over this past year implementing the four R's. Can you explain a little bit about uh, what you've been working on? Yeah, so, you know, the four R's is, is looking at how, how we use our uh, nutrients on our farm. Um, you know, so mainly what we look at is how we use our nitrogen. Um, when, we, when we go to the field in the spring, uh, we use the Iowa State nitrogen rate calculator to kind of determine what's the economical rate of nitrogen to use on our farms. And that's where we start out with. We generally put half of it down in the spring um, in a pre-plant to either uh, 32% uh, with some herbicide or else some urea in the strip. And then what we'll do is we'll come back after the crop emerges and we'll actually pull some soil nitrate tests and uh, we'll adjust our nitrogen, um, the balance of our nitrogen based on those test results. And uh, so, you know, that, that kind of gives us a little bit of time to get the weather into the equation because, as we know, the nitrogen, uh, it leaches pretty easily with excess rainfall. Um, this spring, we really weren't too uh, overly wet. We were just continuously wet. And so really our, our nitrate tests um, showed that a lot of our nitrogen was still there. And in fact, uh, it was a little bit higher than what I really expected. So I think with some of my cover crops and other practices, we're doing a really good job of keeping our nitrogen in our soil. Um, so then we come back and we do our, our side dress application and then now this fall, we're pulling our cornstalk samples and sending those in to kind of give our final report card for, for how we did this year with our nitrogen program. Doug, I'm going to ask you a hard one here, test your knowledge for our listeners who maybe haven't heard of 4R+. Can you explain, us, explain to us what those 4Rs are and what that program does? Yeah, so with the four R's, it's the right product, the right rate, the right timing, and I believe it's the right placement. And the plus comes with the conservation practices that we can uh, include on our farms as well. Great. And, you know, one of the things that, that folks maybe don't think about enough when we're when we're getting out there, we're getting into the fields, we're rush, 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 trying, especially in a year like this one, the, the challenges that can be faced, especially with the right time and the right place. How did you, this year, manage to, to hit the four R's? Well, you know, it's, it's all mainly based on how, how our plan is set up in the fall, and, and, you know, we'll be making the plan for this next year, as well as, you know, we will be applying some dry fertilizer to our, to our fields now this fall. Uh, you know, it's just kind of the system we've got set up. Uh, it's worked really well for us. 
um, you know, I, uh, we're going to have our soil sampled, and then we take a look at, uh, at those updated soil samples to, to kind of give us a report card on, on how we're doing on our farm and stuff. So uh, we always want to keep our soil test levels in the optimum category, so that way, you know, we're going to get the best return for our investment. Um, if you if you put on uh, nutrients to your crop when you're already in the, the high category, lots of times there's not that economic return. And, you know, with the markets the way they are right now, we need to really be careful and, and pay attention to what what um, what rates we're putting on so we can stay profitable, as well as, you know, being uh, cognizant with the environment as well. Absolutely. Doug, when you look at this year, I know through the 4R program you've kind of done a report card or been studied really throughout the entire growing season. You mentioned that you didn't have necessarily – a lot of rain but you just had consistent rain the whole time so what changed for you this year in your planting in your summer applications and then now into harvest season what changed for you because of this year's weather uh really i was expecting to have to put on more nitrogen um just because of the rainfall this spring but then when we actually sat back and looked at it we really weren't uh excessively wet you know, up here in the prairie pothole region of Iowa, lots of times we'll fill our potholes up and we'll have drowned out spots. Now this year, uh, they, they never really were full. I think we filled them early in the spring, you know, with some snow melt. But after that, uh, we really didn't have a lot of extra rain. It was just small, small rains continuously that kind of delayed our planting. And so really, you know, I guess it's, it's good to uh, take those soil test measurements just to, to verify what's out there. Because if if you don't know, you know, you're sitting there thinking, gosh, we've had all this rain, we need more nitrogen, and you just apply that extra nitrogen, you know, that's that's a waste of money as well as, you know, it's a potential loss to the environment. So we don't need to push any more nitrogen out of our soils than, than what we already are. That's for sure. And you know, one of the things I've heard from a number of growers when we're looking at making these sort of management changes to our operations is, you know, what's the first step? Can you talk a little bit about uh, about what was first for you? I mean, was it approaching an agronomist, finding somebody who was on the same page? How did you go about that side of the of the equation? Yeah, I guess probably. Um, I also work at the NRCS office as, as a soil conservation technician. And and so working with some of our other producers um, and our equip program, you know, it kind of shows shows ways that we can, you know, take measurements of our of our, you know, nutrients across our farm and kind of tighten our belts a little bit. And so I, I guess that's mainly how I got started was signing up for some equip and doing some nutrient management that way. Uh, you get a little bit of extra payment uh, to kind of, you know, give yourself a cushion. So in case, you know, something changes on your operation by making that management change, you know, hopefully you're not going to feel it in the pocketbook. And it, it kind of just gives you the, the confidence to go ahead and make some of these changes. And generally, you know, you're, you're going to start on a couple fields and then just keep expanding from there is kind of how I did it. Doug, I, I also love this question that was featured in, I guess, the latest interviews that was done with the four farmers that the 4-Hour program was watching this year, and that's the advice that you have for farmers during harvest season in terms of limiting or avoiding compaction in the fields. What advice do you have for producers trying to reduce that footprint? Yeah, so, you know, last fall was a, a wet fall, just like this fall's kind of starting out to be. And the biggest thing we noticed was uh, we could go out in our fields and not leave ruts in the fields, uh, both with the combine and grain cart as well as with the trucks. 
And so uh, we've been doing no-till. I've been doing it for about 20 years now, and it really shows how the soil structure can support the load and uh, therefore limit compaction and stuff. Um, the other farmers that are doing more conventional till, uh, a lot of times they're leaving ruts in the fields, and then they have to come back with tillage and, and fill in those ruts. And, you know, just sticking to a no-till program, um, we also have added cover crops to our system as well. And both of those just really help improve our soil structure. Um, like now we're going, um, we've got a few water spots in some fields, but the fields we're running in right now, uh, we're really not even picking up any mud. So, you know, the, the, the soil structure really allows the water to infiltrate into our soil and uh, not stick around on the surface as it would, you know, if we're doing full width tillage, I believe. Doug, I've got a question for you, and I'm, I'm hoping your work at NRCS can maybe shed a little bit of light on this, but one of the things we've seen folks doing over the past decade, really, is going away from a heavy fall and hydrous application to more of the, I've heard it called, spoon feeding the crop, the right time aspect of the four R's. What are you seeing up in your part of the world? Are you seeing folks move away from that uh, heavy fall application? Well, you know, the, the last couple of years, uh, the this year and, and last year, I guess, we, we've been fairly wet, and it really limits limits the amount of nitrogen farmers can put on with, an, with their anhydrous rigs just because the window isn't there. And so I think guys are figuring out, you know, if we can't get it done in the fall, how, how can we adjust? And it seems like, you know, the, the co-op system and everything has done a really good job about uh, getting nitrogen to the fields in a timely manner. Um, and then, you know, with our high-clearance sprayer rigs like Hagee has, we can get out there uh, later in the season and a actually add that nitrogen to the crop if needed. So, uh, you know, a lot of times when you're, you're just relying on that side dress operation in the, in the summertime, you're so dependent on the weather. And if it rains and you can't get out there and the corn's growing fast, uh, that high clearance option is a great option to have. Absolutely. Doug, well, we certainly appreciate your time today. We hope you have a hopefully uneventful harvest and are able to just get that crop out. But interesting stuff and keep up the great work yeah thanks a lot delaney and mike well again a big thank you there to doug who was harvesting away when we chatted with him yesterday folks podcasts are the perfect time or harvest is the perfect time to listen to podcasts and you're in luck because we have a whole network of fantastic podcasts and content at globalagnetwork.com we're always updating stuff. We want to be connected with you during this harvest season. We certainly do. We love picks from the combine. We love yield updates. I know there's like a whole thing on Twitter, no yield, but I'm always curious, and I think the market is always curious. Tell us what you're getting, and, uh, you know, be honest. You know, brag a little bit if you're feeling like bragging, or, you know, complain a little bit. If you feel like complaining, we're here for it. Absolutely. You can complain with us or share with us on social media at Ag News Daily on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Mike, with that, should we let the people go? Let's let them go.